In October of 1986, the murdered bodies of Kathy Thomas and Becky Dowski had been found along the Colonial Parkway in Virginia. Eleven months later, another couple would be found slain a short distance away from the Colonial Parkway. Were these murders committed by the same person? Join us as we continue our discussion of the Colonial Parkway murders and dive into the darkness, one crime at a time. Hello and welcome to One Crime at a Time. I'm your host, Shannon. With me, as always, my sister from the same mister, Christina. Hi. What's up? Well. <laughs> she got a hurt leg. I do. Uh, I do have a hurt leg. She got to get, I had to take this stupid idiot <laughs> to the hospital Friday night to get stitches. Because she's yeah, clumsy. I and, am clumsy. And that's the story of that. <laughs> Nine stitches. Nine. Actually, eleven because there's two inside stitches. Oh, well, excuse me. Eleven stitches. on the outside, there's nine okay. stitches. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. That was a fun way to spend a Friday night. Well, it really didn't take that <laughs> long, didn't, though. Really. I mean, because we were home by, what, 930? Yeah. And we didn't leave till six. So, I mean, yeah. three and a half hours is not bad going to the emergency room That's on true. a Friday night. That's so. True, so. I guess we hit it at the right time. I guess we did. You really know when to tear your leg Of course, up. now when you're bleeding, they kind of, you know, <laughs> they kind of think that's kind of important. When you show up bloody with a hole in your leg. <laughs> yeah, they, they think that's kind of important. Maybe we should go ahead and see this one. I just still can't forget that poor little nurse's face at urgent care when we stopped yeah, her she first. she was scared. I think she was fixing to pass out. She was really, really scared. Bless she her was heart. like, oh my God. <laughs> Needless to say, they wouldn't see us at urgent care. We no, had to go we to the hospital. Had to go, go to the hospital, but that's okay because I like that nurse practitioner, and she was awesome. So, shout out Piedmont. Yes, just playing. All right, uh, so let's get into this week. We've got a review to read. We've uh, got some several uh, reviews, but I'm only going to read she one. She only reads one at a time because she's scared y'all aren't going to write anymore. Write reviews so she won't be scared anymore. If y'all start sending them in, I'll start reading more of them, but I don't want to <laughs> run out. So <laughs> this is how we're going to do it for now. Yes. All right. This is a five-star review. Cool. It says, really like it. Oh, I forgot to say it's from Ollie Beetle. Yeah. Who is it from, it's from Ollie Beetle. Thank you, Ollie Beetle. <laughs> yes. So happy that I found this podcast. Definitely will keep listening. So awesome. thank you, Ollie. Thank you. Glad you like us. Hope we don't do anything to change that. <laughs> yes. Just ignore half of what we say. <laughs> the majority of what we say. You can is, ignore. You is could just, probably totally useless. But, <laughs> but just listen to the story. Yeah. <laughs> you can get bits and pieces of it out of that. <laughs> but it's awesome. You'll figure us out. Yes. All right, so we're going to get back into our story. Okay. Now, as you may remember, when we left off last week, the brutal double murder of Kathy Thomas and Becky Dowski in October of 1986 mm -hmm. had gone cold. Yes. Then 11 months later, David Knobling and Robin Edwards disappeared in the early morning hours of September 20th of 1987. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, we're going to go and talk about the victims for a few minutes. Okay. 
David Lee Nolling, he was born January the 31st, 1967, to Judy and Justin Ward. Oh. Now, so he was 20, like exactly 20. Yes, he was. Cool. Now, as a baby, David never knew his father because Judy took David and left her husband after she witnessed him, David, with signs of abuse on him when he was a baby. So, okay. She met, she left him, and she met a German man named Carl Nobling. And when David was 18 months old, hold on, I'm sorry, I, I read that the wrong way. Uh-oh. She met a German man named Carl Nobling when David was only 18 months old. Okay, so he was a little <laughs> over a year when she met this yes. new German man. Yes. Okay. Now, when David was four, Judy and Carl got married. and That's a long time. Yeah, and Carl Nobling legally adopted David. Aww. And shortly there, shortly after they got married, the couple welcomed David's little brother, Michael. The Nobling family lived in Newport News, Virginia, at the mouth of the James River in the Chesapeake Bay. Okay. And David and Michael, they grew up working on cars and trucks and going to races where their dad would participate and... It's just around cars and motors all the time. Now, was he German-born or just yes. of German descent? No, he was born in Germany. Okay. And grew up in Mississippi. Okay. So he came <laughs> over here pretty early. Yes, and like, he did. Okay. Yeah. Not that it's a problem. I'm just trying to figure out yes, like, he if was, he came over here he right before German... he met her. Or... No, no. Okay. He, he had spent a lot of his, most of his life growing up in Mississippi. Um, okay. But his parents were German. Okay, okay. That's what I was trying to figure out because... The way you said it at first made it sound like he, like, got off, came over here, and she met him, like, right then. No, no, no. Okay, okay. When David was 11, Judy and Carl separated, and David and Michael went to live with their mother in a little apartment. Okay. Now, in high school, David was kind of getting in trouble. Came, he was skipping school, fighting, you know, well, just not, typical he was a teenage, teenage boy. Stuff. So <laughs> David, <laughs> David's parents decided to send him to Hargrave, which is Ooh, a military school like in Chapel, Virginia. <laughs> and by all accounts, David, when he got there, when he first got there, he wasn't too into it. But well, he, <laughs> but uh, pretty soon he, you know, he started straightening up. Well, yeah, I imagine he did. And he really, he said he really started excelling there. Now, after a year at that school, David moved to Frederick Military Academy in Portsmouth, Virginia, because it was closer to home, and he could go home on the weekends. Okay. However, that school closed the next year, which would have been his senior year. So, for his senior year, he went to Warwick High School, but he did not graduate. Why? He just didn't do well going to regular school. He needed apparently. that. He, he needed, needed that, that authority. Right. He is needed what that he needed. structure. Yeah. But now he did go back and receive his GED. Well, good for him. Now David and like I said, he enjoyed building model cars, listening to rock music, drawing, and he loved to draw dragons and monsters. So he seemed to, and it seemed like he was a pretty talented artist. Now, he had a new 1986 black Ford Ranger. Oh. That was his pride and awesome. joy. <laughs> it looks it's almost exactly like that green one you used to have. I know. I loved my little Power Ranger. <laughs> Michael had helped David install a new radio on that truck, and they had rigged the wires so that the radio would play without the truck being on, even on the auxiliary. 
Like, you could take the key out of the car and still play the radio. Yeah, yeah a lot of your older, older cars, you could do that. Well, not on anyway. this one, but I they know have not that, that one, way. But, but that's going to come. That's going to be important later, so just just remember, remember that, that bit of information. Remember that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> just I'm just throwing that out there. Bookmark. <laughs> remember, everything we say has meaning. <laughs> Well, maybe uh, not everything. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> everything about the story we say has meaning. Now, in 18... In, sorry. 19... In 18... <laughs> golly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that tells stuff about the 1800s, not he was. He met Doc Brown, and they went back to 1885. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, in 1985, he met his girlfriend, Tara Cook, when he was leaving his, birth, his brother's birthday party. And the couple had a three-year gap in their ages, with David being 19 in 1987 when they met, and Tara being 16. That's not that bad, though. Yeah, but, I mean, so it kind of raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, but that, I mean... Because he was, she was underage, uh, Well, I get that, but, I mean, yeah. come on. Now, at the beginning of September of 1987, Tara told him that she was pregnant with his child. Now, that might be a problem. And the couple, the couple started... <laughs> talking about getting married okay now david had been working for his father doing landscaping for a few years but since his responsibilities were about to grow when he was thinking about taking on a wife and was going to be having a child he decided that he needed to go look for a better job okay and he got a job at a water purification company he got his first paycheck on September 19th of 1987. Okay. And it was a paycheck that he would never be able to cash. Oh, Don't tell me that. <laughs> now I'm going to cry. Let's all just take a moment. That is I'm pretty, all, I mean, just really. That is pretty sad. I, I did kind of. Why? I kind of brought it down there. Why? <laughs> why would you do that? I don't know. I'm an asshole. Oh, well, I know that, but why did you do that? <laughs> now, the night of September 19th, 1987, David's younger cousin, Jason, he was going out on a date with a young girl named Robin Edwards. Okay. And David agreed to be the driver for this little outing, and he invited his brother, Michael, to come along. Okay. Now, a little bit about Robin. Robin Edwards was born August the 3rd, 1973 in Lexington Park, Maryland, to Bonnie and Bob Edwards, who was in the Navy. Bob retired from the Navy in 1978, and the family settled in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. Now, Robin loved to swim. She loved animals, and she also enjoyed drawing. Uh, she wanted to grow up to be an artist. And like every kid in the 1980s, she loved Def Leppard and Michael Jackson. Of course. <laughs> You remember those Michael Jackson dolls we used to have? Yeah. <laughs> they were like Ken dolls, but Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes, I do. They were the most awesome things ever. Anyway. They were. Memories. Misty watercolored memories. <laughs> yeah, they were misty and watercolor. So, Robin was uh, pretty rambunctious, and she seemed to get wilder as she matured. Well, she started smoking at age 12. Damn. And... <laughs> During a parent-teacher conference, her teacher said that Robin was a troublemaker and a ringleader, but that she was the most polite troublemaker the teacher had ever seen. <laughs> well, that, there, well, at least she had that going so for her. She had some good qualities. 
On one occasion, she had set off on her bike to go join the circus that was in Newport well, News. Well, in all fairness, you, you ran away one time when you were 12. You made it to the edge of the driveway. I did make it to the edge of the driveway. It was a, you know, it was an experience. It was. <laughs> Gave me time to think, contemplate, never contemplate where my life I'll was, never where forget. I was at in You life. were sitting on the corner of the property there, <laughs> the corner where the two streets met. And I asked Mama, I said, can't I just go out there with her? She said, no, leave her alone. She'll come back when she's ready. I'm like, she didn't go nowhere. <laughs> like I said, I had some deep contemplation going on about where I was at in my life and, you know, what my options were. <laughs> because what she told me was, well, you can't leave the yard. And I'm sitting there looking, and I'm like, she's in the yard. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about Robin, okay? okay. Enough about me. So, she was going to run off with the circus. Uh, she had plans to marry someone with the circus and go on the road with them. <laughs> the was, bearded lady. I don't know. That was her plan. Who would you marry in the circus? I don't know. The um, Siamese twins? Get two for one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> But, in any case, the Edwards went down and rounded up their daughter. Of course they did. Now, according to her, sis her sister Jeanette, Robin became sexually active when she was around 12 or 13. Good God, child. Yes. Yeah, her family said that she was, quote, that she, quote, had the maturity of an 18-year-old. So, she had the idea that she could take care of herself. She was very independent, very confident, and unfortunately very trusting, of other people. Yeah, that's the bad quality. Yeah, she wasn't afraid of any situation, according to her Didn't sister. Didn't the 70s and all the serial killers teach you anything? You can't trust people. Well, all that stuff wasn't on TV then. <laughs> but it was in newspapers. People read newspapers. She was 14. Back. Well, she, wasn't she, wasn't an, she was acting like an 18-year-old, and she should have been reading the newspapers. 18-year-olds don't read newspapers. They did back then. No, they did not. Yeah, they did. No, they did not. You were not 18 back then, so you don't <laughs> I know. I can promise you. Now, the first time Robin disappeared was in May of 1987. Her close friend, Donna Miller, had told Robin that she wanted to run away after her parents got mad at her. So they ran away. Robin was gone for a total of eight days with, with Donna. And the girls had met a waitress at a diner and who was kind of sympathetic, and she let the girls stay at their trailer. Aiding and abetting. <laughs> Harboring well, a runaway. I guess she just didn't want them sleeping outside on the I'm street. I'm just playing. So I know. Robin even went as far as to dye her. She had her hair color, natural hair color, was like a dirty blonde color, but she dyed her hair coal black. So yeah, because that that'll fool everybody. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> so her mom had gone around looking for her because she was driving around Newport News trying to find her daughter. And she thought that she had spotted Robin, but she looked like she had dyed her hair. Well, my, uh, go with your gut instinct. Because so. that's probably what happened. That's the wrong hair color. She looks like my daughter, but the hair color's wrong. So the Edwards pleaded for their daughter to come home, and they even went on the news, you know, hoping that Robin would see it and know that they wanted her home. Uh-uh, children back then didn't watch the news. I didn't say they didn't watch the news. I said they didn't read the newspaper. You don't know that. This girl could have. I'm just saying. So This girl could have. <laughs> now, her How mom... How else would she know that the circus was coming to town? 
Word of mouth. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how you knew everything about him. Word of mouth. Oh, man. So, anyway. Well, the word of mouth would also tell her about serial killers. <laughs> Not necessarily. Well, you know people were talking about it. And she heard it. Come on. <laughs> Who wouldn't be talking about it? Would you get over your obsession with serial killers No, because aren't we talking? Because that's when most of them <laughs> took place. And people were just so nonchalant back then. Like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. Well, it was a different time. It was, but still, people were killing people. Now, when she ran away, this is according to her mom. Okay. That she was hanging out with this guy um, who was, he was an adult. She said that his last name was Gross, <laughs> which <laughs> which fits because he was a grown man hanging, hanging around out with a 13-year-old child. child. Yeah. Was so, that really his name or did he just make last, that up? She that, said just that call it, me Gross. <laughs> You, we will, because you are. <laughs> no need for names. You are Just gross. call me gross. <laughs> that's what all my friends call me. Now, her mom said that's what started some of the arguments because, of course, her parents didn't Well, I, I would kind of have a problem with that, too, if my 12-year-old daughter was well, hanging out. She was 13 out. at this time. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> 13-year-old daughter was hanging out with a grown man. Yeah. Now, Mrs. Edwards also said that she had older friends that were out on their own and had apartments and that she would go to their house and stay. And they would let her stay as long as she agreed to sleep with them and their friends. So my thing is, they pro- they weren't older friends. They were older people who just wanted sex. Child molesters, basically. With a child. Yes. They showed her, the, this poor child, they showed her a little bit of attention. Right. And she just ate it up. Right. And the reason I'm saying all this is to say this, that Robin was much, she was not your normal 14-year-old. I'm saying that for a reason, and it becomes important in a few minutes. And and I kind of feel bad for her because... I do, too. If she's seeking attention that much, it kind of makes me wonder how she grew up to the age of 12 just because somebody showed her attention even though they wanted to molest her. She was okay with it and thought they were her friends. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll get into a few. We're about to talk about some stuff that explains why. Okay. So we're about to go into that. Now, Robin's attitude and personality just totally seemed to change after she ran away that first time with Donna. One night, after an argument with her mother, she actually pulled a knife on her mom. Oh, wow. And Mrs. Edwards saw... Well, she had been out in the world by then and knew that there were things out there. She had spent eight days in the real world. And knew that there were things (laughs) out there that you just could not change. Right. And it just done something to her. Now, her mom sought help by having Robin taken to a juvenile detention center. Okay. And due to Robin's good behavior in the detention, detention center... Easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. She was bumped down to a less secure unit, but in July of 1987, a judge ordered a psychological evaluation on her. Okay. And after the ruling, Robin ran away from the detention center. Well, of course she did. So for 12 hours overnight, she okay. wandered around Newport News. She walked around, feet covered in blisters, and... She walked up to a Hampton police car parked outside a 7-Eleven convenience store, and she said, I'm Robin Edwards, and I ran away from secure detention. Can you take me back? I can't handle this shit. <laughs> so the officer was, you know, like, um, you know, somewhat 
stunned because there's not very many people that walk up to you wanting to go back to a detention center. Most of them usually tend to run away. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Most of them don't come back voluntarily. Most of them don't come begging you, but can you please take yeah. me back? So, but, that, it, but she was scared, and yeah. she felt she had nowhere else right. to go. So after the evaluation, she was diagnosed with severe depression and ADHD. She was sent to Charter Colonial Institute in Newport News and started medication for depression. She spent a total of six weeks at the Behavioral Center and started to take Zoloft daily. See, that's what life in the real world as an adult <laughs> will do to you. It'll make you need tons and tons of It will cause you to go into a deep depression and drive you crazy. Now, after all this, she started calming down. And in September of 1987, Robin started 8th grade at Huntington Middle School. She's only in 8th grade. Yeah, she's oh only in 8th grade. The way a, you, I mean, all of this, I and she's know. still only in 8th grade. She's, think she's about a child. That. She's I only know. 14. I threw that in there just as a rude that awakening. That just really, to make it that, I mean, I mean, because bit. a lot of people, when they think 13, 14, they don't think. I yeah. mean, you're not. I mean, you know that age, but you're not sitting there thinking until right. you throw that grade out there, and you're like, eighth "Crap!" Grade. She's in eighth grade. You know, she had just turned fourteen, and she seemed to have completely turned around and changed her behavior. She started um, showing her more serious side. She started volunteering to work with the Newport News Public School Peer Counseling Program. Her grades went up. She would just seem to be doing better. Well, I mean, you know. When you get help for the depression that right. life throws at you, being yeah. out on your own and all, you know, for eight <laughs> days, gone through detention centers, had to beg to go back because you were scared, right. that changes you. It does. But, I mean, she got what she needed, obviously. Apparently. Obviously. Yes. Uh, then, I'm not trying to make fun of her, but. But what? I'm not making fun of her I know, at all. I, she, was, she had. She had some problems. She had a chemical imbalance in her brain and it got it, fixed yeah. with medication. I just don't want anybody to think I'm trying to make fun of her because okay. I'm not. No. Okay. Okay. She then accepted a date with a boy at her school named Jason for the night of Borges? September. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Luckily. Okay. That's another story. Okay. It was for the night of September 19th, 1987. And as I stated earlier, Jason was the younger cousin of David Noblin. Okay. So, the plans for that night, as Robin's parents understood it, were for, had originally been for David Nobling's mother, Judy, to drive Jason and Robin to the movies, but that Judy had gotten a headache and had asked David to drive them instead. Well, David didn't seem like too bad of a guy, no. though. I now, mean, he's however, got a head. However. But he is still young. He's 20. I was going to say he is still young. However, according to Judy Nobling, the plan was always for Jason to take her to the movies on his moped, but it was drizzling, so David volunteered to drive them, and Michael just went along. And my thinking here is why there's two different stories, is because I'm sure Robin told her parents that of course. That the adult was driving them in the car. Because they would have never let her go. And not that, that the go. two 14-year-olds were supposed to be taken off on the moped. Yeah, they would have never <laughs> let her go. I'm, pr I'm almost... 1,000% positive. I mean, what, okay, what, what child happened. hasn't done that? I mean, that, so, I don't find that any great mystery there. Yeah, so they were supposed to go. I'm sure they were supposed to go on the moped, and Robin just told her parents. No, no, his Jimmy, mom's going to drive Right, right. And that's how that happened. Yes, that's how that, that's how that happened. Can I go out with this boy? His mom's going to drive us to the movies, and that's exactly how that happened. 
Which it was his aunt, but you know, well, you understand, it's the same premise. Yeah. But, you know, since it was drizzling rain, David had volunteered to drive them. Okay. And, had, and Michael went along because they were supposed to go to the movies. So David drove them all to the movie theater in his trusty Ford Ranger. <laughs> That's right. But the movie they wanted to see had already been sold out for the night. And I'm going to let you guess what movie 1986. they were going to go see. 1987. 1987. What movie were they going to go see? It's a, let's see if I can give you a clue. Because there's a lot of movies in that. Yeah, I'm going to give you some clues. Cop movie. Comedy. Die hard. Comedy. Comedy cop movie. Police Academy. No. Buddy cop movie. Based on an old television show. Starsky and Hutch. No. Tom Hanks. Oh, oh God. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> oh my God. Dragnet. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so Dan good. Dan Aykroyd is like the best Guys, ever. Guys, if, if you have never seen Dragnet, do yourself a favor and go watch that movie. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd has got to be one of the best actors not, and ever. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks when he's whatever doing you do. in his comedy years. When yeah. He's, yeah. Oh, my god. Whatever gosh. you do, though, do not go on vacation with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> things go awry things when he go goes awry. on vacation. <laughs> or not, or even when he's not trying to go on vacation. I know, it just okay. seems to follow him. <laughs> Bad luck. So they wanted to go see Dragnet, but it had already sold out for the night. Oh, man. Which is not surprising. And they never even got to see it. <laughs> I know, that's, that's, that's the same thought I had. <laughs> that's what's going to make like, me oh, cry. God, they never got to see Dragnet. <laughs> That's how warped our minds are, <laughs> is that they're sad that they never got to see Dragnet, because it's so enjoyable. I don't, I can tell you, I have wore, we wore out a videotape from Blockbuster <laughs> watching that movie. I think we had to end up buying it because we wore it out. Oh, gosh. Good times. Yes, Blockbuster. For you younger kids that don't know, you used to have to go to the store and mm-hmm. rent videos, take them home, watch them, and then take them back after so many days. Yeah. I think it was three days was the max. But you could rent it for a week, but it was more money. Oh, well, we never did. No, we had we to. Just we just took the minimum. This is true. We would just you go. Could go put, in there. <laughs> you could go in there and give them anybody. Now, not at Blockbuster, but at Movie Gallery. At Movie Gallery. All you had to have was that five-digit number. And you could just make up a number. <laughs> And it would, if it was in there, you could rent a movie and then take it home and never take it back. <laughs> Good times. We Good had times. it figured out. <laughs> but Blockbuster, you had to actually. I think they, I think you had to have your card. You had to have your card with them, but with Movie Gallery, you didn't. All you so. had to do was know the five digit number. Yeah, and, and we would just like make up a five digit yes. number and it would come up and said so we would rent the movie and never take it back. <laughs> So, so I hope that um, I'm I'm sure the statute of limitations. Will oh yeah, by now, oh yeah, because they've been closed for like anymore. twenty years. So there's that. So instead Good of going, <laughs> so back to our story. <laughs> anyway, so since the movie was sold out, they decided to go to the arcade instead. Oh, that could be fun. Yeah, and but not as fun as Dragnet. <laughs> I hate that they never got to see that movie. 
So, according to Michael, Robin hung out the entire time with Jason while David and Michael hung out. It was raining that night, like we said earlier, so on the way home, Michael and Jason let Robin ride up front in David's truck because those old Ford Rangers, it was a single cab and they only set two people. Right. So it was just bucket seats. Now, according to Michael, this was the only time the entire night that David and Robin had been alone together. But, apparently, in that 20 minutes that it took to get home, David and Robin apparently made plans to get back together again later that night. David. Dude. I had high hopes for you. <laughs> well, him and his girlfriend were kind of on the outs It doesn't point. matter. She's 14 years old. Exactly. And dating his cousin. Yes. Dude! And my thing was, I was thinking, well, if she's more mature and acts more mature, maybe he didn't realize she was 14 years okay, old. Okay, But she's on a how... date with his 14-year-old cousin. Right, so right. That kind of what, does that... his cousin kind of have this MILF thing going on? <laughs> <laughs> Jason's in the MILFs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, jeez. <laughs> Not like old MILFs. MILFs well, to him, that would have been old. <laughs> 18. You're ancient. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So they dropped Robin off at home at her house at around 11.15 p.m. And she watched television with her younger sister Pam until about 12.30 a.m. or so and, and said she was going to bed. You liar. <laughs> <laughs> and here we were getting you back on the right track. <laughs> Come on, man. Jeez, Robin. So, David and Michael went home after dropping Robin off. And Did they drop their cousin off yeah. or just throw him out the back of the truck? <laughs> well, I'm, I kind of got the feeling maybe he was staying with them or something since... Okay, since David, David decided. decided to drive. I don't know. Who knows? Well, he, got, anyway, he got home. Anyway. He got home and didn't yeah. get hurt. So, their mom ordered pizza and they watched television oh, for a while. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Homer. <laughs> Now, around midnight, David said that he was going out for a while. Of course he did. Yeah. So I next, met this girl tonight while I was taking Well, he didn't say where he was going, and of course, his mom didn't ask because he's 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, there's not really much you can do about that. Yeah. So, the next morning, Mr. Edwards, Robin's father, he had woke up around 5 o'clock to go to work. And before he left, he went to check on his two girls, Pam and Robin. Pam lay asleep in her bed, but Robin's bed was empty. So he called his wife at work and asked if she knew where Robin was. She was, was. at work at 5 o'clock in the morning? I think she was working overnight because oh, okay. she got home like around 7. So I think okay. she was wherever okay. she was working. She had worked the night shift. Well, and if she was at work, she wouldn't know where she was at. Right. So, I mean, maybe he was thinking she had called her at work or something. Oh, okay. And, of course, she didn't know where she was either. And with Robin's recent history of running away, they believed that she had snuck out again and had possibly run away again. Well, she did. Just not running away, but... No, she didn't run away. But she did sneak out. She did sneak out to meet yeah. an older man. Now, like, Robin had apparently snuck out of the house sometime after 12.30 a.m. by climbing through the window and going down the street to meet up with David. Did they have like this rose trellis like they do in all the movies that she, in the 80s that she climbed down from the window or was it just a one-story house? I have no idea. 
Okay, I was just wondering. You know, it can be whatever you want it to be I'm in your mind. I'm going to have this imagination that she climbed down the rose trail. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like they do in all the 80s gotcha. movies. Gotcha. <laughs> as good a vision as any. Yes, that's my imagination. Now, unlike her previous runaways, it appeared that she hadn't taken anything with her this time. So that tells me that she didn't have plans to be gone very long. That it was just to sneak out for that night. Yeah. Because she didn't take clothes. She didn't take... Anything other than what she had on. Right. After Mrs. Edwards had gotten home from work around 7 a.m., she immediately went down to the police station to file a missing persons report, but, of course, they wouldn't let her file a report because she had not been missing long enough. Which is bullshit. Yes. I hate that damn law. Which I think that's pretty much changed. It has. Now, if it, Most places, anyway. Most places it has. Especially if it's a 14-year-old well, girl. It's, even if it's an adult. This, I mean, through the years, they've realized, okay, if somebody's missing, that we need to look into yeah. it. Even if we find them just right. looking at the coffee right. shop, right. it needs to be looked into. Right. Better safe than sorry. Right. Now, at David's house, it was not immediately noticed that he was missing. Of course, since he was 20 years old, he didn't have a curfew or anything. Uh, well, no. So it was normal for him to come home late. And his family usually slept in on Sundays, so they didn't even realize he wasn't home till almost noon, uh, which I can understand sleeping late on Sunday. I can, too. <laughs> now, as the day went by and they still hadn't heard from David, his mother became very concerned because... It was very unusual for them, for her not to hear from him at all. Right. And by late afternoon, uh, his mom was calling everyone she could think of to try to track him down to see if anybody had seen him, but no one had seen or heard from him. So, all that day, all day Sunday, she was trying to get up with him. Right. All day Sunday, all day, all night Sunday, and she never found anybody that knew where he was. Okay. Now... The next morning, early Monday morning, okay. David's black 1986 Ford Ranger was found by Sheriff's Deputy Joey Willard. It was at the parking lot at Rag Ragged Island, which is a state wildlife refuge in the rural Isle of Wight area on the south side of the James River Bridge. Okay. Not exactly where it's at. Mm -hmm. It's just <laughs> 20 miles south of the Colonial Parkway. Okay. So now you know exactly where it is. Of course. Yeah. South side of James River Bridge, 20 miles south of Colonial Parkway. Okay. You're there. You know it. The area was well known to locals as being dangerous because it was the area for drug deals and okay. crime-ridden area because it was poorly lit at night. There were no lights out there. Um, and it was just kind of a deep, marshy swamp that kind of had little walkways that led down to the James River. Okay. Now, when Deputy Willard found the truck, the keys were in the ignition, the radio was playing, the door, the driver's side door was open, and the driver's side window was halfway down. There were okay. two pairs of underwear and two pairs of shoes in the truck, along with David's wallet and a white pair of women's kids' shoes with writing all over them, and a bra. Okay. Now, these... And these things were not just thrown in there. They were kind of all just laid neatly on the seat. Okay. Or not in, in just, you know, they weren't strewn about all over the cab anyway. The keys were turned to the accessory setting, presumably to play the radio. Mm -mm. 
Witnesses at Ragged Island would later report seeing the empty vehicle sitting there as early as 5.30 that morning. Now, the abandoned vehicle was a red flag to the Nobling family. He knew David would never, ever, ever leave his truck unlocked, let alone with the doors wide open. Okay. They said that David would not leave his truck like that, that he locked his truck even if it was in his yard. Yet, David's truck was found not only unlocked, but with the driver's side door open and the radio playing with the keys in the ignition. And, of course, there was another reason that the family thought that the truck had to have been staged because the keys were in the ignition. The ignition was set on accessories. But as we mentioned earlier... He could play the radio without The radio it. could be on. So if it if it, somebody is sitting there to stage the scene, they're not going to know that you have to turn the accessory... That you don't have to turn it to accessory to play the radio. Okay. But... David would have known that if he wanted to play the radio. Right. There would have been no reason for him to turn his key on. Right, right. And have the battery running and all the other stuff. Right. Besides the radio, he could just have the radio running straight from the battery. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was like a, that just kind of told the family that it had to be staged. Well, yeah. The truck. Yeah. Because he would not leave his truck like that. They also knew that David always parked his truck with the front facing out, so he always backed into parking places. But what I have to say about that is, I mean, I understand that. But if David and Robin had gone there to be intimate, Uh then I don't think that he would have backed into the parking place. Probably not, but with the way the truck looked, I don't think he put the truck there. I don't know. I don't know if he parked it there. I mean, it, it's possible that he did park it there. Now, he didn't. I don't think he left it like that. But I, I just think that if they were going there to be intimate, they probably would. He probably would have pulled into the parking place so that if somebody did pull up, they wouldn't see right into the cab immediately. And they also knew that David was no stranger to Ragged Island because he had been there according to his girlfriend Tara Cook. He had been there and was familiar with the area although she said that that was not the normal place that they would go to park that they had a little church off of I-64. Okay, that stop. They right there. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> what? Really? You're going to go to a church? I guess people wouldn't think to look there. Maybe. It's the perfect place. Really? Yep. Screw it at the church. In their defense, it was behind the church. I don't care. I know it wasn't in the church, but it was on sacred ground where the church sits. Oh, goodness. Come on. Lighten up. (laughs) My whole point is that she's saying that he wouldn't have gone there if he was going to park. Well, maybe not with her. That's my point, is if maybe he didn't want to go to that church since he wasn't with Tara. That's mine and Tara's church. Right. You I know, can't do that. Right. I mean, I mean, really. So, this is this is where you're going to start. You know how I told you <laughs> at the beginning of last week's episode that you're going to get mad? I'm already mad. Well, about what? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you're about to get even more mad. Or okay. madder. So, when the police found the truck... They wanted the family to move the truck. No. 
No. Now, the family tried to explain to them that something was wrong and the truck should be considered evidence. But the police insisted that there was no sign of foul play. Even though you've got a truck sitting there. <laughs> With their clothes in it, but not them. Not their clothes, their underwear. But not them. Their shoes. Their wallet. The door's okay, standing they wide left, open. They might have left their underwear, but they were not going to leave their shoes to go walking. Not on that beach, because right. that beach was rocky and sandy. Exactly. It wasn't like a beach down on the Panhandle. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> what is sad about that part is the family actually had more sense than the police officers. <laughs> well, that's because they know their kid. And they know that he's not going to leave his truck like that. Now, the family pointed out that he was missing and his wallet was on the dashboard, but the police... Those idiots. But the police kept insisting that it be moved. So David's father, Carl, took the truck to his house. And I hope he locked it and didn't let nobody go in it after well, that. I'm sure he did. Carl, Knowing that it was... Yeah. Now, Carl decided to take the search for his son into his own hands... So he went to Ragged Island, and he met with the Isle of Wight Sheriff's Department. Now, according to Mr. Nobling, this is his side, he said that there were deputies there, but they were all just standing around talking. He wanted to look around and check out the beach. So he walked down and checked out part of it, but the tide was high, so he went home and got his waders to go into the swamp. He stated, quote, You know, I wasn't sure if he was out there injured or something. There were some cops there, a couple of them, but they were not even looking. They said they searched the beach with a helicopter, but the entire time I was there, I didn't see a helicopter. Unquote. What is wrong with these police officers? I don't know. Like I said, that's his side of the story. So, uh, Well, I don't have, I mean, the man lost his son. Right. I really, I mean, I'm not going to say every word is exactly the truth, but I would say that 90% of that is the truth. Yeah. Now, the police were able to confirm that the white pair of women's kids' shoes with writing all over them that were found in David's truck belonged to Robin Edwards. Well, duh. Her mother, Bonnie, was had identified them. So the authorities began to piece together that David and Robin had met each other the night before and began to connect that the two might be missing together. Duh. What? No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Do you think he drag? He dresses in drag, and that's why the bra and women's underwear was in there. So you would think that you've got a twenty-year-old man and a fourteen-year-old girl missing. Circumstances with the truck. Well, in all fairness to them, she did run away to join the circus one time. <laughs> right, but. You've got a truck standing there, left on, with the door standing wide open. With their shoes and underwear. With them no underwear and no shoes. You know they don't have underwear, and you know they don't have shoes with them. So, I would think... I would think that this would trigger a large-scale search of that area. Right? You would think. However, the search effort was described as lackluster at best. I hope that every single one of those police officers got fired. (laughs) I really do. I don't know. Nobody got fired. So the Newport News police, the state police. Well, what if they'd have been alive somewhere and they weren't looking for them? Well, I mean, they were looking for them. It was just they were. Not really, though. I think that a lot of people around there thought that they could have looked harder. 
They could have, because they could have been alive, because the first first 48 is the most critical time of searching for anybody. Well, this was before that TV show came on. It doesn't matter. They should still know this. They go to police academy. It's and 1986. They still learn this stuff I in police know what academy. All they learn back. I, they didn't learn that stuff when I watched police academy. That's a movie, you I dumbass. Mean, Mahoney wasn't going around talking about the first 48. It doesn't matter. That's a movie. We're talking about real life Mahoney, here. Mahoney never said anything about the first 48. That's because that's a movie. <laughs> and they just wanted to make you laugh. Mahoney. That name makes me laugh. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> so the New Newport News Police, the State Police, and State Game Commission, they assisted in the search of Ragged Island for the couple on Tuesday evening. Okay. So that means that they really didn't have a large-scale search out till Tuesday night. Exactly. Which is almost because the over, truck was found over, Monday morning. Which would be over 48 hours since the last time anybody's seen them alive. Yeah. Now, they tended to focus on the areas that were easily accessible. Well, of course. Let's don't which, go into parts that somebody <laughs> might hide them or anything. God forbid. Which left the vast majority of Ragged Island largely ignored. And, see. I know. I told you you were going to get mad. I told you. So, the weather didn't make searching any easier, of course, because it had continued to rain since it had started oh, raining poor Saturday babies. night. Now, with no sign of David and Robin, the search continued that Tuesday night. The search continued Wednesday morning. The use of canines was organized for that Wednesday at Ragged Island, and the Virginia State Police flew a plane along the shore looking for any signs of the pair, but they didn't have any luck finding them. Now, the Edwards family, while the Nobling family, they were going and coming from Rag- from Ragged Island pretty frequently, trying to look for their kid now the edwards family they complied with the police because the police had asked both families to stay away well i would go too if i felt that the police was not doing anything but they weren't searching they were just walking around looking yeah searching is you go in the places that you don't want to go that you think nobody would be there right now robin edwards family they were still holding out hope that robin had just ran away so they taped another interview that was supposed to air on the 6 o'clock news on that Wednesday night. Now, Carl Nobling, he had returned to Ragged Island that Wednesday morning to continue his own search. I don't blame him. I can't. I mean, that's your child, and right. you're hoping beyond hope you can find them injured somewhere right. and alive. And the police, in your mind, are not doing anything. Right. Which it sounds you're like frustrated. It sounds like they really weren't trying real hard i mean they were i think they were doing the minimum necessary. <clears throat> which is wrong yeah i think they sh- I, I just i think that with i don't know why they didn't go for an all, an all-out search for this I exactly don't know. because it I was mean, a because suspicious these, way these, to find the truck i mean these people could have been alive somewhere for a while and then could have succumbed to their injuries because they didn't get help quick enough right now about a quarter of a mile down the beach from where the truck was uh, was a little inlet. And Nobling stated that he was trying to go, but the tide was up and he couldn't get there. So that afternoon while he was there, he had gone back that afternoon when the tide had went out. Right. A, he said that he was there. A guy showed up and parked his car. He got out and went jogging down the beach. He went off, and a few minutes later he came running back. Not jogging back. He running getting the back. hell out of there. 
The man peeled out in a cloud of dust, so Mr. Nodling figured he should probably go see what the heck's going on down there. So he starts probably. walking down the beach toward that direction. Now, the man that he had seen running on the beach was Lewis Ford. He was, um, he lived in Virginia Beach, and he was just there out for a job. Right. So that means <laughs> that the potential crime scene was so poorly managed that Lewis Ford was able to show up and go jogging at Ragged Island, and no one bothered to stop him. See, this is my point. <laughs> it's my point, too. <laughs> they did not do anything. And I can't blame, I'm sorry, but... Yeah, that, I mean, that, 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 y'all for are the them sorriest. to say that nothing looks suspicious, that is uh, so suspicious. Even just for a truck, truck just to be sitting there. The way the truck was found is super suspicious. That is the sorriest excuse of any detective work I have ever heard of in my life. It's not the sorriest I've ever heard of. Well, so I far mean, during this, that's the sorriest. Not, I don't think it is, but at least they did look. <laughs> no, really, they didn't. I mean, they did. They, they walked just didn't around look hard, but they, they walked were there. around. Well, they I don't see anything. They sure didn't secure the crime scene, obviously. You think we should go look behind that rock? No, nah, ain't nobody going to be back there. Obviously, they didn't secure it, uh, everything because this guy was able to get out of his car well, and go prob- jogging. It's probably a good thing he did. Well, it is. Now, shortly before 4 p.m., um, he had been jogging and he noticed a pile of clothing near a tall embankment along the James River. And he walked closer to it. And as he got closer to it, he noticed that it was actually a girl's body. And it was clear that her remains had been washed up on the shore by the tide. She was laying face down on the beach. So without touching anything, Ford ran to find the police. So, Carl Noblin, David's father, he shows up to that area. And by this time, the deputies have gotten there. And they stop him. And they said that it was now a crime scene. And that oh, he, now it's a crime and that, scene? And that he couldn't go down there. He told them, no, I am going to go down there because my son is missing. And so finally they told him they could, that he could go down there, but that a deputy would have to accompany him. So, oh, so now they're all worried about, what the hell, dudes? So him and the deputy, they start walking, and another 25 to 30 yards down the beach... Mr. Nobling found David. He was tangled up in the roots of some pine trees in the water. He was all bloated, but Mr. Nobling said that he knew right away that it was his son. Mm. So his dad's the one that found him. Now, Mrs. Nobling, who was still unaware of the discovery of her son's body, she was at home watching the six of clock news with her son Michael, David's younger brother. The Edwards family was also crowded around the television waiting to watch the interview that they had taped earlier. When a segment came on reporting that two bodies had been found washed up on the beach at Raglan Island. They reported the two had been shot, they gave their names, and they even showed the bodies Are you fucking kidding me? What is wrong with these people? And that is how the families found out that they You don't release their names or anything until David the family has been yeah. notified. Start the, who are these police officers? But that's how the families found out that David and Robin were dead. 
on the six o'clock news. Uh, who are these? Who? So that means that they still didn't have that crime scene secured up because the news media was able to get pictures of the dead bodies. Who are these policemen? I don't. Know. And these detectives? I don't know. It's the Isle of Wight Sheriff's Department. Oh, okay. Or police department, whatever they are. They're a little, 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 little bitty place. It doesn't, little, it'll be. it doesn't matter. Common sense. Use common and sense, And they had to give the names to the media, apparently, Which you're not already. supposed to, because... Which, I mean, maybe the media assumed... But they said on the news that it was confirmed. So that means they had to confirm it with somebody, at some police some police authority. But they should not that it release was two. names until they are 100% well, certain that the family has been notified. And the police knew that the other family had not been notified. Right. Because they're the ones that's going to notify them. Right. <laughs> right. Dumbasses. Right. Which just harkens back kind of to the, to our first episode, the first story we did on the Girl Scout murders, where some of the families claimed that they found out through the news media. It has, I just, it just, I just don't me to understand no end. how That's, these police, this and part right here, departments. this right here, this type of thing, when this happens, this probably, to me, it's probably my biggest, it irks me the most out of anything is when these, everybody is so careless with this information. Yeah. They don't want their, the father of one of the missing people go down, going down there. But it's okay might, for everybody right, in the world to know. But it's okay know. for the news media to go down there. What's the damn difference? They're more likely to mess up a crime scene than this man who's down there searching for his son. And not only that, he's going to not be real careful because he wants to find who killed his son. The news media don't give a shit. Right. They just want a story. So that right there just irks me to no end. I I can't can't, even tell you. I am so... I don't even have words to describe these police departments and sheriff's departments. And I hope some of them are listening because I am very (laughs) disappointed in you. You should know better. Common sense. Even if you weren't trained to do that and you were a little bitty department, you should have common sense to know. At least that much. Make sure the families know and that the families don't see their kids' dead bodies on the news. And not only that, you should have common sense enough to know, okay, we just found two dead bodies. We need to close this off. Right. That's common sense. That is common sense. You should have closed it off, period. But you didn't. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, at least when you find the bodies. Yeah. So, idiots. Anyway. See, I told you you were going to be mad. (sighs) I'm going to have to do a podcast on how sorry some of these <laughs> police departments are because it's just ridiculous. I just don't have enough time to say everything I need to say here. Well, you can work on that. I will work on that. Now, Robin was dressed in just a blouse and pants. She appeared well, yeah, because her underwear was right, still in that truck. Exactly. She appeared bloated, of course, due to the decomposition of well, her yeah, body. because they've been there for almost a week. No, for three days. Well, and still. exposure to the elements for three days. Her dyed auburn hair was disheveled, and she had an apparent gunshot wound to the back of her head. David lay only 50 feet away from Robin. He was found wearing a, only a pair of pants with a bullet wound to the back of his head and to his shoulder. And based on the fact that the shot to David's shoulder, it entered from behind and had an upward tra- trajectory. 
So, so they were shot ex- execution style, basically. Pretty much, yes. It was theorized that David probably had attempted to escape the murderer by climbing up an embankment, but was shot in the shoulder, which would have caused him to come back, to roll back down, because, they, like I said, the bullet had an upward project trajectory, right, right. so he had to have been higher, probably, than the person that was shooting or him. Or it was a really short person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or they were fighting, and yeah, that could something be. like that. Anyway, they theorized that it was him running away and that he got shot in the shoulder and then was shot execution style in the back of the head. A bullet was recovered from David Nodling's head wound and it was speculated that it was a thirty eight caliber. But okay. it was kind of really distorted. Back so, then that was a really common gun. Yeah. Though. Now they did find they didn't find they did not find a weapon or any shell casings, so they thought that it was possible that a, revol- a revolver had been used. If I could talk, this would go on. Or, lot just off the top of my head, because I have common sense, <laughs> they picked up the shell casings have. and took them with them. <laughs> now, that's possible, but I'm just saying that it's well, also possible. It's all that, that Those are two possibilities. Yes. I would not rule out that it was an automatic. Let me put it that way. No. Okay. Now, when the medical examiner examined Robin's body, it was clear that she had either been sodomized or had had anal sex shortly before she died. And unfortunately, because of the three days between the time that it happened and Mm -hmm. being washed up from the water, yeah, the DNA was contaminated. Now, the medical examiner released that a surviving sperm sample was extracted from Robin's remains. Now, we'll go into this more later when we're talking about theories and all this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but I'm just saying that but that's all that that means. They do have, I will say, they do have DNA from this case. That's all I'm going to, I mean. Just but I'm just that saying do. that when he says that, right. it just means that they they do not have anybody on file. Right. Matching. And back then, they didn't have... The big nationwide computer, right, and right, worldwide right. computer, right. and all that. So now, another clue is where is to where maybe they had been before they were at in the truck. <laughs> um, that came from David's autopsy. There was evidence of beans in his stomach that were undigested. Well, didn't they go eat earlier, though? No, he had had pizza with his family earlier that maybe night, it was and a that bean was what pizza. he had to eat. <laughs> So they theorized that maybe he had gone out to Wendy's for chili or to Taco Bell. And I'm going to say Wendy's. <laughs> think Wendy's? Yeah. I would think Wendy's. I mean, because if it was rainy, think chili's good on a yeah. rainy night. So right. I would think I would think Wendy's. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of a, it's a very vague clue to maybe where they would have went when they, when but they could have picked through, up Robin. They could have went through a drive-thru, though. Right, exactly. So they didn't actually... Stay there. Which just harkens me back to the fact that where's the wind? That, that where's the packages from where they eat? They ate unless they did go inside. Right, right. So they possibly were at a fast food fast food restaurant before they were killed. Yeah, and that harkens me back to Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, who also possibly were at a fast food restaurant. Well, they ate they were something. Killed. Right. But we don't know if they ate it in the car because, see, there's no wrappers or anything. But I'm just saying that it 
I wonder that it's just another it's something that happened to both couples. Right. They were possibly and, at a fast food place. And That's just something I'm pointing out now for oh, when we get into whether or not there's any possible way these are connected. Well, it's always possible that every murder is connected. We're going to go through it, and we're going to discuss it that later. That doesn't mean they are, but it's right. a possibility. I'm just pointing it out now okay. since we were talking about it. Now, given the witness te- witness statements of people that were in the area that saw David's truck sitting at Ragged, Ragged, uh, Ragged Island, okay, it was presumed that the murders occurred sometime after 1230 a.m., but before 5.30 a.m. Well, what was, your, well what was your clue? <laughs> I mean, on that Sunday morning. But the fact that me. she didn't leave till after midnight because they saw her and the fact that the truck was seen at 5.30. Gee, well, they must have been killed no, in between No, now the truck time. wasn't found till 5.30 the next, the next Monday morning. They're talking about the murders had to have occurred between 12.30 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Okay. But... Both David and Robin's shoes and underwear were found in the truck, but the victims were each wearing clothes. So it seems far-fetched to me to believe that Robin and David would willingly remove their underwear and shoes. But yeah, put their clothes. They're Houdinis. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. To, it's to a leave magic outside trick. the truck, then put their clothes back on to follow unless, a dark walkway toward the beach. Unless they had caught up. <laughs> And they said, well, let's go take a walk on the beach. And instead of putting all their underwear on, they just threw their clothes but on. But I'm telling you, on this beach, you but would they not would have walk had it to without the shoes. But they would have had because to have the shoes. Because their feet would have been torn up, and there would have been marks on their feet. But they didn't have marks on their feet where they had been walking on jutted rocks and stuff when their bodies were found. Well, they had to have gotten down there somewhere before yeah. they were dead. Not necessarily. <laughs> Well, then where's the blood splatter on the other dirt? There was none. Even if there had been blood splatter, it, you got to remember it has been raining for three days straight. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're not going to get anything there, dear. That's I, just, I just find it weird that they would put all of their clothes back on except their underwear if they were willingly getting out of the truck. Well, I mean, if they did it in a hurry. Oh, let's go take a walk. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me that they were walking in the rain. Well, I mean, they were going down, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, they could have, though. I'm just pointing things out that don't make sense to me. To me. May make sense to other people. I'm just saying to me. It's a possibility. Me. Now, a local task force was on um, form to take over the Ragged Island case. Maybe he had flip-flops in the truck for both of them, and they washed away when they were in the ocean. Yeah, I'm just I'm saying know. there's so many possibilities. Yeah. Now, Virginia State Police, along with Newport News Police and the Isle of Wight County don't Sheriff's ask Office, them people. they offered they don't a, know what they're doing. Offered a three thousand dollar reward. Three thousand dollars for information leading to an arrest. Well, this three thousand dollars was a lot more in 1986 than it is now. Still. And an additional one thousand dollar reward was offered by the Peninsula Crime Lab. Now, I'm about to say something very obvious to anybody that's been listening to this podcast in the last 15 minutes. There are a minutes. lot of things that should be obvious about this case that were not. <laughs> the families were not happy with the way the investigation you went. Think? <laughs> what was your first clue? Carl Nobling said, quote, The police screwed up the investigation. 
They brought his truck out to me. Then, when they realized it might be a crime scene, they came back and took fingerprints. When they left, I found the fingerprint cards out there in my front yard. Dumbasses. <laughs> First of all, if you told them to take the truck, it's going to be compromised because there's all because kinds of fingerprints. Because you didn't see anything suspicious about there's a your, truck sitting there. Your fingerprints are on it. The family's fingerprints are on it. Plus, the two victims' fingerprints are on it. So guess what? You screwed the fuck up. Yeah. So, there's that. Now, get, get away. I, get, go on. <laughs> I like to get her all worked up <laughs> over the police. <laughs> I love, don't get me wrong. I back the police. But this is just, some of them just, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I would think that common sense would be one of the qualifying traits that you would need to be a police officer. I mean, apparently not. Not uh, back then anyway. Apparently it wasn't. Uh, not in some places, apparently. apparently. Now, it was released to the media that David Knobling had received death threats just days prior to his murder by someone he apparently knew. But the Knobling family said that they don't recall any of these apparent threats to David. Well, he may life. not have told them, well, though. that's true. Now, so, I mean, police, they may not know about police it. Police did pursue that, and they did find out who these threats were reportedly coming from, and it was a, a woman and her sons. Now, they have not said why, the, why this woman and her sons may have been threatening David, but when they went to speak to this lady, all the police said was that the woman stated that there wasn't any love lost when it came to her and David, but that she didn't hate him enough to kill him. So, I don't know. I do know that the police cleared them. So, I hate him, but not that much. Right. Basically, that's what she said. She's like, I don't lie. I don't. I can't stand him, but I don't hate him enough to kill him. Now, I don't know what this matter was over. I haven't been able to find out. Now, she's a lover scorned. <laughs> well, this was a lady who had like sons David's age. So. <laughs> What does that matter? <laughs> the whole family likes milfs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the whole family likes older women. Older women. I gotta stop singing the songs in this stupid podcast because I cut them out every time. It's just something I got to stop and edit. Okay, so. You shouldn't cut some of them out because some of them actually go along with what we're talking about. <laughs> so since the police cleared them, I'm not going to speculate here what that was about because I have no clue. It, it could have been, he could have thrown a piece of dog do in her uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. have I mean, a clue. So that could have happened when he was like 13 years old. I don't know. I have she, no He could have beat up one of her sons. Or <laughs> Which is probably. When they, were, when they were in high school or. Something like that. So, probably. I mean, there could have been a lot of things. Yeah. So, as with the murders of Kathy Thomas and Robert, Rebecca Dowski, this is another thing they have in common. Police have never been able to actually establish where the murders took place. They don't know that the murders took place where the truck was found. I don't think they did. That's what There's I'm no saying. There's no way they they have no nothing telling them that that's where the murder happened. Murders happened. Excuse me. So, the state police focus was on two possible reasons that Robin and David had met up. Um. Well, there's really only one. There's two. In their minds, it was either for sex or for drugs. Because they did both smoke marijuana. 
Now, oh. given where the bodies were found, it's a locale known for drugs and sex, so that's kind of understandable that they would think that, yes, that's probably why they went down there. And a few theories have been raised on what may have happened to Robin and David. They so were we're gonna killed. Go, <laughs> we're going to go through some of these theories. They were shot in the head. That's not a theory. That's a fact. But we isn't that pretty much all you need to know? Well, I know. You need to know how, why, who, where, and when. But you build, There's a lot of stuff you that build, you need to you know. You build from that. I know, but that's what this is what they're trying to do is theorize what would oh, happen. now they're trying. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> One theory involves Robin and David walking down the beach and somehow meeting their killer on the beach area. Because ships come in there across that bridge and they bring in drugs off of that beach. Because, like I said, it's dark. There's hardly ever anyone around. So I know what happened to them. What? what? It was a drug lord. <laughs> well, this, this is this theory. It was theorized that David and Robin may have seen something that they weren't supposed to see. Now, it is possible that they may have interrupted a drug drop by mm-hmm. boat at the end of the walkway near the bridge. They could have been ordered in to get into the boat and forced to get out in the area where they were found. Now, to me, this is just my opinion, so nobody yell at me. This theory seems unlikely to me because the weather was bad, so I don't think they would have got out and walked in the rain. Some people would, though. The fact that both pairs of shoes, along with their... Not without their shoes, but some people would get out and walk in the rain. Along with their underwear were found inside the truck. I just don't see them getting... If they've been undressed, I don't see them purposely getting redressed without their underwear on well if you some people might i just don't see it just because you wouldn't <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> there's and, some people that don't wear underwear at all well apparently they did because they had some but on. that don't mean that they could not have <laughs> slipped their clothes back on without it well because i mean the sandy area like i said of this a ragged island it was riddled with rocks and had shells all over it so i mean it's not an ideal place for walking without shoes especially at night when it's dark because you can't see what you're well, stepping yeah, their on shoes i could see that they would not leave them behind but i'm just saying it is possible that they did not put their underwear back on no, is all it's i'm possible saying. i just don't find it likely is what i'm saying the other problem i have with this theory is that for this theory to work it would mean that david left his vehicle that way intentionally and i just do not believe that he left that vehicle no. like that but there are some possibilities in that theory like they could have gone and walked in the rain on the beach not without their shoes but it is possible that they could have done that okay well then how did their shoes get back to the truck they threw them that's why he left the door open <laughs> <laughs> he's like watch this. kobe <laughs> Or the window down. He's like, watch this. (laughs) And then, so, I mean, I just think the truck was staged. And then if the truck was staged, why in the world would a drug dealer take the time to set the staging of the vehicle up? They wouldn't. They would just kill them and leave them. Right. They would just kill them, wouldn't worry about hiding anything. They'd just shoot them and go on. They wouldn't worry about all that. And then they would have to, like, march Robin and David down the beach nearly a mile away. And they would have risked being seen marching these two down the beach. 
and there was no way to be sure who might be at the beach when you got there. So if you're, you know, planning on killing somebody down there, you're walking them no, that far. No, because anybody dealing drugs, they're just, if they see them there, they're not even going to put them on board. They're just, or do anything. They're going to shoot them right there right, and go on. They're right. not going to give them any chance to do anything. Right, and there's no evidence that Robin or David were at the beach on their own. Or anywhere near the beach, there was no blankets, there's no flashlights, and of course there's no footprints because of the rain. But but all of that could have washed away in the tide. Well, I'm just saying it's possible. Like no, they never found it, but it is possible. And this is another question. If, this is a big if, if they were killed on the beach a mile from the vehicle, why did it take so long for David, David Nobling to resist? Why would he walk a mile out in the middle of nowhere before he tried to get away? He wouldn't. That doesn't make sense to me either. Why would he walk a mile before he tried to get away? Because it's obvious he tried to because he got shot in the back. Unless whoever shot him was a really bad aim. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know. Or, ag- or or he was about to shoot him in the head and somebody called his name and he went like this <laughs> and pulled the trigger. <laughs> Lay, laying down while, I guess, I guess. while David was standing up? I, well, mean, I mean, if he went like that. I don't know. So he's I'm shooting kidding. him like from the hip like a... Yeah, well, he could be trying to hey, watch this. He was like doing, he's twirling his gun. Yeah, and it went off. That's how it happened. He was twirling <laughs> his gun and it went off. So it was a revolver. Yeah. He's doing trick shots. <laughs> watch this. Oh, man, didn't mean to do Whoops. that. <laughs> okay, I'll do it again. Watch. Now, another theory. Some in the Virginia State Police think that they went there to meet someone to buy marijuana. Which is very possible. It's possible, but I do not think they were killed there. That's my problem. I don't I don't think they were killed at where the truck was. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they were killed there. And they're, another thing I forgot to mention. They're overlooking that truck way too much. I think so, too. Um, There was a story going around that Robin Edwards had gotten approached at a party sometime before the murder by a black drug dealer in the Newport News area. All I know about him is his last name was Washington. I don't know what his first name was. That's an undercover cop. That wasn't a drug dealer. I don't think so. I'm kidding. Now, apparently there are several witnesses who were at this party that told this to the police. They said that at the party, Washington made it known that he wanted Robin to go with him to have sex, and she refused. And apparently it really pissed this guy off, and that was mainly because... It was kind of known that Robin really didn't turn anybody down. And I'm not trying to talk bad about well, her. Well, no, because you have to think that all. was before she went into right. the hospital. It, it probably was. And because it would have been she before came, she was still, before she got on her med- medication. And right. Everything. So when she came back out of the hospital, she probably didn't do those things right. anymore. But at, except that's for just with kind David. Of what, yeah, I mean. I don't know. But, I mean, that's just kind of what... Even her family... I mean, her family admits, you know, that she was very sexually active. So, he supposedly punched a hole in the wall at the party. And he was known to be a very violent man. And here is a little tidbit about him that I don't want to bring up. But it kind of... I kind of have to. 
it was known that the only kind of sex he liked was anal. Okay. Now, I, I guess this was, I guess enough people had had sex with him to know that this was true. And it, I guess, or he told people or because he, told he people, didn't care. Yeah. It was also known that he didn't care if it was with a man, a boy, a girl, whoever. It did not matter to him. Now, Virginia State Police thought that maybe they had made a call to this guy because they wanted to meet him at Ragged Island to buy marijuana. My point on that she is... She wouldn't call that guy I don't, after Why all would that? she call him... If there's she plenty knew how petty, violent he was. Right, there's plenty and, of people who are just petty drug dealers. Right, that, that would have some, some marijuana. marijuana. Plus, your buddy's going to have marijuana. Exactly. I don't know that she would have called this guy. No. He in my have, opinion. He may have been there. My opinion is, I don't know why she would call this guy. No, she wouldn't. If she knew that he was... Matt, if he had got pissed at her enough to punch a wall, and he, she knew that he, I don't know, maybe, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know all about the situation, but if the situ, if it went down at the party like all these people say it did, I don't think she would have no. called him. Now, I could be because totally my wrong. Is, my point is, she wouldn't have called him for the simple fact, like you said, any petty drug dealer will have marijuana. Right. Everybody had marijuana. Everybody had marijuana. Everybody still has marijuana. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is like, hey, you know where I can get some? Somebody's Which, I mean, it's legal in everywhere, but, I mean, it's not legal here, but you can get marijuana. Yeah. Easily. I can tell I can go right now I can and get tell marijuana. You right now where I could go and get some marijuana. <laughs> I can have marijuana in 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's not, I just don't know that there's, like you said, there's other people that she could have gotten marijuana from. Yeah. And I know David knew people that oh, had yeah. marijuana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he's 20 years old. He's got, he knows people that's got marijuana. He knows people that's got all of it if he wants it. But I mean, I'm going just... to go through the rest of this theory, okay? Okay. Just even though I don't believe it and I don't see it happening, I'm going to go through it anyway because it is a theory that's out there. Okay. And y'all, I'm going to give it to you so y'all can make your own assessment of it. Now, Washington supposedly brought a boy with him to this supposed transaction. That witnessed that all this happened. Bullshit. <laughs> Stop. I said I'm going to tell the story and they can decide. But for I'm going to comment. I'm deciding for myself. <laughs> well, don't taint it for other people. Well, you can make your own decisions. <laughs> this is mine. Bullshit. Now, according to an investigator with the Virginia State Police, this is what happened according to this witness story. Quote, they walked down to the water to get out of the parking lot. We think he pulled out the gun and said, quote, you ain't going to turn me down again to Robin. The other guy who was their witness, who they don't believe took an active part but was there. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go over that in just a second. However, it went down. He forced himself on Robin anally. He shot Robin in the back of the head, I would say, first. That means, I think he's saying he shot Robin first. And then when Novling took off, he took after him and shot him in the shoulder and then in the head. Now, I'll say another problem I have with this theory is that the police say that it was Washington and this guy, other guy who was just a witness. If it's Washington and this other guy who's just a witness who didn't take part in this at all, there's no part of me 
Because it's not like this Washington guy is going to be able to rape Robin and With still have a gun or something on David. And David, I don't think, is going to stand there while this guy rapes Robin no. without trying to do anything about it. No. There's not a part of me that believes that, knowing what I know and what i No, I've the heard other about. guy would have had to have been involved. Right. That's gun. my point. That's my point. For this to be true and for their witness, I'm using quotation marks here, witness only, to be he had to be involved if this went down the way they're saying it did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my second problem with this theory. I'll go on, though. Police had tracked down the witness, and he was very, very hesitant to talk because he was scared to death of Washington. And this was because at some point he had actually been raped by Washington. And Washington had been charged but the guy had been so scared for his life that he had backed out of testifying against Washington. Now, Larry Johnson, who was a police officer with the Virginia State Police, okay, he was, you know, getting somewhere with a witness, supposedly making inroads, getting him to talk. He was finally starting to get him to talk when, not long after he started talking to the police, this guy, the witness, and another guy, were drinking at a bar that Washington was at one night. They supposedly left the bar that night and fell asleep on some railroad tracks. Oh, my, really? The witness was killed, and the other guy lost an arm and a leg. Bullshit. Now, Officer Johnson actually got Washington to come in and sit for an interview. He had the file, um, Johnson had the files all laid out on the desk. He had a picture of Robin Edwards laying there. So he's trying to set this guy up, telling him, you know, I mean, not set him up, but to have the set up for, right, you know, to question him about these murders. And Johnson basically said to Washington, quote, we've solved this. We'll give you a chance to tell your side of the story. Tell us where you were that night. Washington looked right at him, smiled, and stood up and said, quote, You ain't got shit, and walked out. And, I mean, he was right. Yeah, he was, but they I They didn't have shit. I don't and believe they ne- it's and, him. And that never went anywhere. Because I don't believe it was him. <laughs> that was the whole, that was that, I guess, after their wit- so-called witness got killed, they didn't have anywhere else to go with that lead. But I just don't think that's what happened. Because, first of all, I don't think that Robin would have called him no, from, she just from marijuana. No, because I'm going to tell you, if she was off with a male, the male would have been the one to have called somebody to get the marijuana because he was older and knew more people. Yeah, he, they could have got marijuana. They, they probably got marijuana on the way out there. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I they probably already had some. I just don't, I don't see that. I just don't see that as a viable... No, that's the stupidest theory because I've ever heard. Because I just, heard. I don't, I mean, it's not the stupidest theory I've ever heard, but I just don't think that it's as what happened As far as here. this case goes, that's the dumbest one I've heard so far. I don't think that that's what happened. Oh, I've left this out. Let me go on with this, okay? There's more? Yes. To this one theory? Uh, because, well, it's this, it's another reason that I don't think it's, ha- wait, the, I don't think it's what's happened. Okay. Now, according to this theory that they had of this drug deal and rape of Robin, 
The state police do not believe that David's truck was staged by the murderer. Bullshit. Which I don't believe. I believe that it was. Who are these police officers? They said, quote, We think that the drug dealer walked up to the truck and either demanded they get out of the truck and may have even pulled a gun on them. But he wouldn't have had the key turned to the auxiliary. Right. So, screw off, He would off, not dudes. have. Screw now, off. Now, unless it was a case... The I don't know. The only thing I can think of is if somebody did come up to the truck, they were hurrying to get their clothes on because they saw somebody pull up, which is why they didn't have on their underwear. He rolls the window down. He's about to turn the truck either on or off. And it gets, he just, it gets stuck in auxiliary because the person come walks up to him and he was trying to so. turn it on or turn it off. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Because I, I think the window would have been down after they parked if they were smoking marijuana. That, or I mean, it was raining. So it's They're possible. <laughs> Not necessarily. Um, For all due purposes. They were a little bit buzzed from the marijuana. I do think that there's a scenario where the truck wasn't staged, and that's the scenario I have, is if somebody walked up, they were in the truck. Somebody pulls up. They think it's the police, which is why the window's halfway down and why his wallet is out. The same way with Kathy Thomas, while her wallet was out. Could be. And he's asked to get out of the truck. So he gets out of the truck. That's why they're hastily putting their clothes on, which is why their underwear's not on. So he's asked to get out of the truck. He does, and then that's when things go bad. It could be. That's the, that's the, that's the only scenario I see of the truck being left like that. David, I don't... Either the truck was put there and parked there by the killer like that, or David was forced to leave it like that. Either way, it's still evidence. Yes, of oh, how absolutely. It was left. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I just, I mean, I just don't see the Washington thing playing out. No, I, I that. Mean, I just, I just don't. Just because they met, a, he saw her at a party and done all that doesn't mean that she called him to get drugs for him. I wouldn't have if he'd have done all that. No, I and no, have nobody would have. And like I said, not I, just to get marijuana, not just to get marijuana, because you can get it anywhere. I could go to the end of the street right now and get some <laughs> marijuana, like literally a half a block away. <laughs> hey, don't, don't be ratting out my neighbors to the feds now. I didn't tell them which one. I just said the end of the street. So you have a lot of neighbors. I do. I do have a lot of neighbors. They're all like, shut the fuck up. Nark, nark. Snitches get stitches. I've already got them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what really happened to your leg. Snitch. Okay. So, this is what I don't understand either about this Washington theory. Because Larry Johnson was the one that interviewed this witness and had him talking, supposedly giving all these details. But... When Larry Johnson was interviewed by the Virginian Pilot, which is a newspaper, he had a theory that whoever killed them, dumped them over, um, killed them in Newport News and drove out on the James River Bridge and threw the bodies over the side of the truck at Ragged Island. 
and the bodies washed ashore later. So if Larry Johnson is the one that's interviewing this witness, and... Well, he could have just been doing what he was told. Right, but... the witness, but had a different opinion about it. Right, but, I mean, he don't even believe the witness is my point. Right. Because if he did, he wouldn't have this other theory. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I mean... If he believed the witness, there wouldn't be another any reason for him to have another theory. Well, that's true. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I just, it's just in this. In, it's just a very prevalent theory, and I just don't get it. I just don't understand why. Is my point? Because I, I thought we established the mentality of these police officers <laughs> when we first started this. Another theory, they had a, they actually had a Virginia State, um, I'm sorry, not Virginia State Police, a Newport News police officer that they suspected and actually had him under surveillance. David Nobling's family also believed that it was likely that David, which I mean, that they were sure that David would have complied with an authority figure if it was an authority figure that had pulled up. Yeah. Like I was stating before, say somebody pulls up that's a police officer. Yeah. They come up to the car. He rolls the window down, has his wallet out. They're hurrying to get dressed. Don't bother putting on their underwear. Yeah. So he's he's told to step out of the car, out of the truck. He does. He gets him under control. Then it's on from there. Yeah. Now, the surveillance that they had, the police officer they had under surveillance, they never got anything incriminating out of that surveillance at all. They never found anything that tied that officer, and I'm not going to name him because they never found anything that tied him to anything. He was just under surveillance. So, if we assume that Robin and David met at around midnight or 1 a.m., which it would have been after, we know it was after 1230, because we know that. On September 20th, there were significant observations from witnesses that came in. One was that there was a group of about 10 teenagers that were at Ragged Island to party, they said, yeah. at around 2 a.m., and that at that time, there was no sign of David's truck. Huh. So it would have had to have been after 2, p- 2 a.m. Right. So p.m. a.m. Where were they from 1230? To, possibly. Or go in to buy some marijuana from one of their buddies. (laughs) Now, another tip was uh, called in by a guy named Samuel Ryder, who said that he had seen the pair at Ragged Island that night. That That left a gap of at least two hours when, if the sources were correct, that David and Robin were somewhere else other than the refuge, which is what we were just saying. Mm hmm So... The first question is, where were they? We think they were probably eating chili and getting marijuana. Yeah, because chili and marijuana goes great together. It does. I mean, you got to have some good chili. You it was do. a rainy night. And a rainy night at that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know yeah, it was on, chili. People. I'm almost positive it I'm was tell- chili. I told you, didn't I? That was before I even knew about the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely had chili. Or he had chili. Now, one of those sources, Samuel Ryder... He would actually end up becoming a person of interest. He was a 28-year-old dishwasher who had just finished time for forging a $60 Did he work check. at Wendy's? Huh? Was he a dishwasher at Wendy's? I don't know. It didn't say. Oh, just okay. that he was a dishwasher. 
but I don't think they have a lot of dishes to wash your wings. Well, they have to cook that chili and all, so they actually do have some dishes, like the French fry bins and all that. They have to wash that. I think it was like a They have to wash the thing that they make the tea in. So, yeah, I mean, I can see I think it was probably like Waffle House or something. Okay, well, I'm just saying they do have to wash dishes there. But anyway, he had just finished time for forging a $60 check. Samuel had put himself on the sheriff's radar by calling in this tip that he had seen Robin and David at Ragged Island. He claimed he had stopped there to sit and think on his way home from a date in Newport News. I don't know to think about what, I guess. I don't know. Ryder claimed he had driven down the sandy gravel roadway out of the parking area down to the James River edge to park. So he went past the parking area and down to the river. Okay. While there, he recognized the black Ford Ranger. He said, quote, that truck's not easy to forget. It had a certain look to it. I wish mine looked as good as his did, unquote. His initial claim was that he saw David and Robin get out of their truck and walk down the nature trail, leaving the door of the truck open and the radio playing, something that we know David Nobley would never have done. Uh, that's a lie. I, I believe the family on this. They know their son. They know how he felt about that truck. Yeah. If they say that he wouldn't have done that, I'm going to He wouldn't have on. left the key in it to go walking down a nature trail. No, I'm not going to say that he... Not, I'm not going to say that he might not have left the door unlocked, just not thinking. Right. But he would not have He's left not the key it on, in it. Running. Well, not running, but He's not on. even going to leave the key in it knowing that that's right. a high crime area. Right. Because <laughs> his truck could get... Stolen. Right. He's not. He's just not going to. So. I mean, even if he wasn't particular about his truck, nobody's going to do that in a high crime area. Now, Sammy then claimed at around 1.30 a.m. or a quarter to two that he heard two shots. They had to be, he said that they had to be coming somewhere from the marshland way in the back. He said, quote, all I heard was the shots, and I decided it was time to leave, and I left. Nothing like that had ever happened down there before. But there would have been three shots. Well, first of all, that's right. You're right. <laughs> there would have been three shots, first of all. Ding, 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 ding. You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, he says this was around one thirty or a quarter to 2. But we know that they were not there. That then. they were not there then from those other ten people. Oh, gee, dear, <laughs> you have just totally went off the so, deep end here. Ryder keeps drawing attention to himself because he keeps changing his story. Well, I wonder why. Because he's lying. They keep going back and talking to him because this timeline's not adding up. So they because keep he's questioning. Lying. <laughs> Sammy claimed in another account that he had actually helped Nobling get his truck out of the soft sand at Raglan Island. (laughs) In another account, he remembered Nobling being there with a group of friends. Okay, what kind of drugs was this guy taking? So, (laughs) I'm not going to say he wasn't there. So, Ryder's versions of these events... You know what it sounds like to me, what he's doing? What? As he's reading all these theories in the newspaper and then calling in and saying, well, this is what happened. (laughs) I think his information, it sounds like his information's coming out. He's adding that to his story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, now the Not all of it's true because newspapers can print anything. Right. Now, 
they probably would have written him off earlier. If he hadn't lied? Well, except for the fact that there was another crime and a witness that claimed Ryder had more involvement in the murders. They were working another case that was a robbery of firearms. Someone had called, this person had reported that they had a boarder who was living with them and they suspected this border of stealing weapons from them. Okay. The son of the lady that reported the weapons missing was Sammy Ryder. It was his mom. The gun thief proved to be the key to tying Ryder back to the crime. The hoarder admitted that he had stolen one gun. He didn't say that he had stolen other guns. He did say that he stole one gun and that he had pawned it at a pawn shop. I don't believe him. He didn't say anything about the other three guns, three or four that were reported stolen. He just admitted to stealing the one. Okay. So the police are thinking that maybe Sammy took the other guns and was trying to cover his ass in case the police linked the murder weapon back to him. Then he could say that, well, no, this border we had stole those guns, so he must be the murderer because he's the one that had the guns. Okay. So they gave Sammy a lie detector test. And they said he failed, but their exact words were, quote, he didn't fail all the way. How do you not fail all the way? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I mean, (laughs) only I'm going to call that inconclusive. That's going to be what I'm calling that. I don't get Because you can't just not fail all the way. Oh, I know what he passed. (laughs) He passed his name. His his name and age. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and his and his father's name. Okay, and his mom. Yeah, so okay. that's what he passed. I'm calling it inconclusive. Right. Okay. Okay. The rest of it, he failed though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I will say that they did have statements from Sammy that put him at the scene. Now, in his last statement, they to put the, him at the scene. Yes, but he's lying about what happened. I think so too. But let me just go on with the rest of this story. In his last statement. To the police, he stated that David and Robin were in the bushes when he got there. And that he saw the truck with the door open and the radio playing. So he went over to the truck and stole some money out of David's wallet. He said that he heard the bushes rattle and got scared and took off. Now, my question on this... I thought he parked down at the... um, Well, that's what he said first. Uh, down by the river right. in a van <laughs> down by the river my point with this is first of all why in the holy fuck would robin and david be in the bushes let's get it on doing it in the rain when they could do it in the dry truck well, well those rangers are not real big you could get oh, you could a, get five people in there i know no you can't get five people in this ranger Yours had the extended cab. This one did not. Mine didn't have the extended cab. Well, how, you ain't get, we can get five people in that we truck. We got four people in that truck at a George Strait concert. <laughs> because we parked closer and Caradon and Karen had parked further away and they didn't want to walk. <laughs> and it was raining. That was only for like... Still, we got them in there. Two minutes. We still got them in there. So don't tell me it can't be done. Okay, well then, it, then you can have then two people can act can most definitely have sex in a Ford Ranger. But what I'm saying because is... because it had been done before by Tara and David. 
I'm just saying that it's a little cramped. Well, I'm just saying that it beats going out in the bushes in the rain. Maybe that was one of their fetishes, having <laughs> sex in the bushes in the rain. I don't believe that for one minute. Or, if they were high, maybe they didn't know they were they in the bushes. High. I don't think they were even high. I think they just went out there to do it. <clears throat> Honestly. I do, too. I mean... Honestly, I think they just went out there to do and it. And I know that this rider guy is full of bullshit. Full of shit. Now, I will say this, okay? There was a friend of his that told police that Sammy told him on Sunday that two people had been shot at Ragged Island. But the bodies were not found for three more days after that. So no one knew that they were shot on Sunday. Maybe he was talking about the other two people and just got mistaken. What other two people? The two women. On Sunday? This was almost I know, a year he, later. Okay, but I know that. <laughs> and it but wasn't look, at Ragged Island, and they weren't look, shot. We already know that this guy was lying. First of all, they weren't shot. I know, but he was lying anyway. I, think, I don't think that's what he was talking about at all. <laughs> or maybe because he, first or of maybe, all, it wasn't, they weren't shot, and they weren't at Ragged Island, or maybe and it there, was almost a year before. Maybe there were two other people that were shot there, <laughs> and he's just... I don't know. Maybe he was just guessy. Could have been. Or maybe he killed him. I don't know. It's possible. Anything's possible. Or this friend's lying, too. True. It could be any number of things. But I mean, they hear of these people missing. You know that's come out on Sunday in the news. You right. hear of them missing. Your first thought, everybody's first thought when somebody goes missing or something suspicious like that, what's everybody's first thought? Oh, they've been shot. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, mean, it may be that. I don't know. But in any case... They didn't have anything solid on this guy, so they didn't charge him with well, anything. Well, I'm not saying they had anything to charge him with, but, I mean, well, perjury. But he wasn't on the stand. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't he on was the stand. Oath. But because so, I think they should be able to charge people with that anyway. <laughs> so Sammy Ryder supposedly died in 1989, around the time that, um, well, I won't say that. Hold on. Let me Let me back up. Now, Sammy Ryder supposedly died in 1989 by strangling himself in the bathroom while masturbating. So, that's fun. Um, so, let's just move on. <laughs> moving on. So, as with the Thomas Dowski case, this one goes cold as well. Then, uh, about seven months later, something would happen that would change what everyone thought about the murders of David Nobling and Robin Edwards. And if you want to know what happened, you can join us next week as we continue discussing the Colonial Parkway murders. <laughs> <laughs> That's where our story is going to end for this week. Yes. We've got a lot more coming up on this. This is a long, deep dive, as I told you guys to this begin with. This one may take all year long. It won't take all year I'm long, kidding. but it'll take a while. I'm, I'm not going to be honest. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot on these so um like i said last week i want to recommend the, a book that's available on audible i'm going to continue to recommend the book that i've been reading um to get information on this case um it's called a special kind of evil by blaine l pardo and victoria r hester you can visit audibletrial.com slash one crime receive a 30-day trial get access to this book if you would like to Read ahead or listen no, ahead. No, don't do that. And spoil it for everybody. No, because, <laughs> because then 
then you, you won't find out with everybody else. That's right. But no, please go. If you want, go get your free trial of Audible. Also want to remind y'all that other sources I use for this, uh, the, the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page, which was read by Bill Thomas, Kathy Thomas's brother, uh, the news segments from WAVY-TV10, 13 News Now, interviews with Bill Thomas on the podcast Real Crime Profile and Who Killed Amy Maholovic, which are both really good, so if y'all want to go listen to those. And now it's time for our Monday Moron. So, this is our Monday Moron. An Ohio bank robber slipped the teller a hold-up note, but there was a problem. The note had his name and address scrawled on it. Stupid. <laughs> Michael Harrell, 54, entered a U.S. bank branch in Cleveland and passed a not-so-discreet note, the FBI said. When the teller took the note and looked at it and looked at the other side, she saw that his name was on it. He had used a note that he had used earlier at the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles, and it had his name on it, FBI Special Agent Vicki Anderson said. <laughs> the teller reportedly complied with his demand and handed Harold $206 before calling the authorities. She actually even referred to him as Michael. <laughs> he didn't ask, how do you know my name? <laughs> Gave him the money and called him Michael and then notified law enforcement. Harold, who was free, who was a frequent frequent customer, has been arrested in the robbery. CNN reported. You do not rob a bank <laughs> that you frequent. Don't rob your own bank. <laughs> See you later, Michael. But Michael, sweetheart, some people are not cut out to be criminals. You are one of them. See you later, Michael. <laughs> So. And what kill you're gonna go to federal prison for two hundred and something dollars. Was that really worth it? I mean, for real. No, it wasn't. I mean come I bet on. Dude. Looking back on it, he would say no that it wasn't worth it. I bet at all. looking back on it, I should have never done that shit. <laughs> you're right, Michael. We agree with you, Michael. So that's our Monday moron for this week. Don't forget, you can email us at onecrimeatatime at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at onecrimepod. Also, if you're into learning about the history of some of the most haunted places around, you can listen to our other podcast, Out in the Sticks. You I've can, gotten a lot of people really liking that. Yeah. Um, One guy was like, I love the history. Yeah. That, I don't know. I can't remember how he worded it, but he loved... <laughs> he liked the history. I would have to read it. Yeah, he liked to hear the history part of it. So you can find that wherever you're listening to this. And if you would like to help support the show, you can visit our Patreon page. We have four levels that start at only a dollar a month that give you access to our exclusive Patreon feed. You can also get access to our monthly mini-sodes that we do, merchandise, commercial-free episodes... Just go to patreon.com slash onecrimepod. If you would like to make a one-time donation, you can visit our PayPal at onecrimeatatime at gmail.com. You can help us keep up keep us up and running. And yes. We will be forever, forever grateful to you. Um, our merch store is up and running. We have t-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers. I still haven't gotten magnets, a coffee mug. Onesies for your little baby. Your little baby one-timer. 
we've got totes, banners, all kinds of stuff. So um, there'll be a link to that in our show notes. And lastly, one of the biggest ways you can help us out is by going to Apple Podcast and rating the show and giving us a written review. It really, really, really does help us out, guys, mm-hmm. and we would greatly appreciate it. So I think that's everything. I think it is. I think I covered it all this time. I think My I remembered everything. My leg hurts. <laughs> Just well, want everybody to know well, that. This is, I go through pain for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is how much I love you guys. I need my boots because it's getting deep in here. (laughs) I love you guys. That's how much I love you guys. We do love you guys and we appreciate you greatly. You have no idea how much we appreciate you listening. So until next week, remember to only dive into one crime at a time. Yes. Bye. Bye.